0: Log Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 547th edition of the Feuerstein Spire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective. Our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You get your daily reading from me and other writers at the Red Bull News Network. But don't worry. This will always be the American soccer show. We're talking about the game within our country. Chat room is open. Talk amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me, I'll try to answer to the best of my abilities. And as we get ready to celebrate a huge achievement for our young players in the youth soccer department on the national team level, uh, just a wonderful display of, you know, talent, a wonderful display of guile, gumption, and, you know, firepower that I don't think we've seen on the youth level in a very, very long time. to show you that the players that were on that under20 team did a job, and we're going to talk about that later on in the show. But I want to get to a situation that I got involved in on Twitter. You now I try not to involve myself with the back and forth of knuckleheads and schmucks that will always tear down MLS. See, back in the day, before social media ever became a thing, back in the day, you had two factions on the sport. Those of us who love it, and there were those that hate it. I'm talking about, of course, the dinosaurs, fans, that will only care about the NFL, the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball, and they don't care about the world's game. But now we're seeing that faction of those that are fans of the game splintering. Splintering in different groups. Now it's, I love MLS and the U.S. national team. I hate MLS, but I still love the U.S. men's national team. And then you get to the, why are there more MLS players on the national team roster than there are the European players or the Americans who are playing abroad in Europe? And now, and now, now we're getting, well, this guy needs to play in the Premier League because he's a world-class goalie. Even though he's not getting the proper minutes to start for his club, he's still getting training at the best club with the best players in the world. And if said player wants to make a move to another club, but goes to the second division in England or the second division in Germany or wherever in the top four leagues in Europe, oh, he just screwed himself. Oh, he's not going to be a a world-class keeper anymore. How do you know this? How do you know this? It is an absolute sham, and a mockery of what American soccer fans have become. And it's upsetting, and it's despicable, terrible. You know, I try my best not to get involved, but you know what? I will get involved, because I just don't think some American soccer fans are understanding What needs to happen so that American players can be on the national team where they need their minutes and how to get them? Last year in the Premier League, Zach Steffen, the backup goalkeeper for Manchester City, how many Premier League games has he played? One. And that was because Ederson, who is the starting goalkeeper for Manchester City, did not come back in time because Bowl had to make up one of those dates of World Cup qualifying because of the COVID pandemic that interfered with that date. Final game of a three-game window was on a Thursday. Manchester City played on a Saturday. That is a difficult situation for Ederson because he's got to get some sleep, get on a plane, his body's got to get ready for the time change from whatever it was in Brazil time to English time. It's probably four or five-hour difference, but on a plane, it's a lot longer. And that's why Zach Steffen only started one Premier League game. Not three, not four, not five, not ten. Not in consecutive games. One Premier League game. And then he goes out and he plays in either a League Cup or an FA Cup match. How can he be a world-class keeper If he gets no starting minutes consistently and in consecutive games in the Premier League, how? Well, training, no. Training with the best players in the world does not give you time to be a solid goalkeeper. Do you understand? But you won't understand because you don't listen. You assume you know more than anybody else. This is where I'm coming from. Our players need minutes. The academy players of MLS teams need minutes to be recognized by their own scouts to say he's ready to make the move to the senior roster. Or to be recognized by these clubs in Europe. Do you understand what that means? Actual minutes played. If you th- I mean this is not the NFL where you got some players get signed to the train, you know, to the practice squad and then they're training. This isn't one of those situations. Either you get recognized or you don't by these clubs in Europe. Not just because they're on an MLS club, but also when they get called up for the national team. Why do you think Brendan Aronson went to Red Bull Leipzig now with Leeds? Why? Did he go to Leipzig? Excuse me, not Leipzig. uh, Red Bull Salzburg in Austria. Why did he go there? Because they recognize his potential. And now he's made a move to Leeds because Leeds also saw that potential. Not just because Jesse Marsh was there. He was going to be their target for this upcoming season, no matter what Brendan Aronson. But you have to understand. Because Zach Steffen is going out on loan. To Middlesbrough, a championship league team. That doesn't mean he's dropped off. It just means that he is getting a chance to be the starting goalkeeper at Middlesbrough and to play consecutive games to get consistent minutes because what is coming up in November, just before Thanksgiving, just before Thanksgiving begins the week of Thanksgiving, the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. And if he wants to be match sharp and match fitness, he needs minutes. Pep Guardiola is not giving it to him. He has Ederson. And this is where your mentality, you're not paying attention. If you watch Max Bredos' Soccer OG video show, through YouTube or on his Twitter account where he puts up the video. If you think Major League Soccer is a horrible first division league domestically, but you're not watching the league because you're just spouting off stuff and then you're rooting on for the U.S. national team, then you don't deserve to to root for the national team. You need to pay attention to what happens in Major League Soccer because that is where the future Americans are coming. Has Major League Soccer uh, improved? Absolutely. Does more need to be done? Hell yes. Every single season we're seeing improved players going through MLS academies. And they're doing it now when they were... Now they have clubs that with that MLS Pro Next that started this year. Their whole situation will be next year with every club from MLS being in the MLS Pro Next. Some of them finishing off USL Championship this year. And then when they're ready to make the jump to the senior team, here we go. They're getting their minutes. Then the scouts from different clubs in Europe come over, the Germans in the Bundesliga, the English in the Premier League, the Italians in Serie A, even the clubs in Spain in La Liga. There may be other clubs from different divisions within those countries that also want to see our American players. You have to understand This is a process. Our American players, the opportunity to play the game, not just to go over to Europe and ply their trade, where they need to get started. You know, we got lucky with Matthew Halpe, with Christian Pulisic, who didn't need MLS, John O'Brien, who didn't need MLS, Matthew Hoppe won the Gold Cup with the U.S. Men's National Team. We know about Christian Pulisic; how he has been doing great on the national team, helped qualify the the, the national team to the World Cup coming uh, fall. But you n- need to understand: not everyone is going to be like Christian Pulisic or Matthew Hoppe who did not need MLS to jumpstart their soccer career. They got lucky. And this is where I get mad and I get angry because none of you want to listen to reason. And even if you do listen to what I'm saying now, how many of you will be having a better situation to understand what is going on this is where the fan base is splintering too much I can understand the promotion and relegation department I can understand why it's not around and why it has to be I can understand that but what I cannot understand you so called know-it-alls Think, MLS is not worth the time when you don't understand it is worth the time. Future prospects going to Europe when they get scouted and if they make the U.S. men's national team or even the youth national teams. If we don't do it the proper way of of how things are going… And you think MLS should just shut itself down? That is a detriment to the American player and for all the hard work that has been put into this. You want to shut down USL as well? That's on you. Because if you think our professional American leagues are not good enough, then you know what? And and also, if you're not watching those said leagues, guess what? You don't deserve to watch the national team play, and you don't deserve to root for them. You should might as well just run, run off and follow your NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL teams forever. You want to follow the European teams? Go ahead. Just don't root for the national team because that is wrong. Follow the MLS. See who's going to make the jump and root for the national team at the same time. They're both hand-in-hand. Stop being a doofus and support American players who are in Major League Soccer, either in your own hometown or if you're near that hometown, support it because it's worth it. And I want you guys to understand and be clear about this we cannot continue to splinter and have different factions about how this game is being supported or not supported by American fans the more you splinter the more we are failing as a fan base alright folks I got a very good show tonight Uh, I'm supposed to have Carter Krishnair on tonight to talk about the U.S. Under-20s. Unfortunately, something has come up, and he is unable to attend the show tonight. We'll try and get him back on a different date. But I do want to talk about the U.S. Under-20s winning their third Under-20 championship in CONCACAF. This was a group, a group of up-and-coming players that, to me, are so talented and so strong. I could not believe how good they were in this tournament. You have to obviously erase the 10-0 victory over St. Kitts and Nevis, because we all know St. Kitts and Nevis is not a strong nation. Uh, There might have been a time when the senior team was improving, but they fell apart. But once again, that was probably one of the more easier wins that they've ever had uh, in the tournament. But thank goodness it was only the first group stage game. Had a bit of a difficult time against Canada. They had it a 2-2 draw, even though they put in uh, an own goal, which they shouldn't have, but they did. And then, of course, their third group stage game against Cuba, 3-0. Solid match. And then you get into the quarterfinals. And you take on and beat Costa Rica. And we'll get to the uh, shenanigans a little bit later in this segment. And everything going on in this tournament for the CONCACAF Under-20 was all in Honduras. The semifinal was against the host nation. And what... An opening 45 that was. Clinical. I loved every single minute of it. Loved every single minute of that match. You got your three goals. You play your tough defense. You hold on for that 3-0 victory. And you put it right into the face of a sold-out stadium In Honduras. All the fans crying because the United States, under-20s, did a job. And when you get to the final, obviously Dominican Republic, you don't expect them to go that deep. They did, and they got shellacked by the U.S. 6-0. All you really have to say is this. And that is simply put, outside of Dominican Republic and St. Kitts, the United States did a job. We have ourselves a strong future for the national team because of these players. Now, it's a 20-man roster, 20-man roster, and listen to these names. Christopher Brady, Antonio Carrera, Noah Allen, Brandon Craig, Mauricio Cuevas, Marcus Fercranas, Michael Halliday, Jalen Neal, Paxton Aronson, that's Brendan's younger brother at 18, Alejandro Alvarado Jr., Caden Clark, Daniel Edelman, Diego Luna, Jack McGlynn, Rocas Pukstas, Nico Tsakiris, Oled Vargas, even though he was removed due to injury because of a back issue, Jackson Hopkins came in, Cade Cowell, Quinn Sullivan, Tyler Wolf. Out of this 20-man roster, only three players are playing in Europe. Mauricio Cuevas of Club Bruges in Belgium. Alejandro Alvarado Jr. of FC Vizela in Portugal and Rokas Pukstas Haduk Split in Croatia. The rest of the roster. These are the clubs representing this under twenty roster. Chicago Fire, FC Dallas, Inter Miami, Orlando City, LA Galaxy. San Jose Earthquakes, Atlanta United, Real Salt Lake, New York Red Bulls, and the most players on this under-20 squad, the Philadelphia Union. Paxton Aronson, Jack McGlynn, Quinn Sullivan, and Brandon Craig. 90 to 95% of this roster based in Major League Soccer. And they go out, not only doing a job, they go out and dominate this under-20 tournament to not only secure a berth in the FIFA Under-20 World Cup, but Finally, after three cycles, finally after their last Olympic tournament in 2008 in Beijing, the U.S. is going to the Summer Olympic Games in Paris in 2024. They do the treble: FIFA under FIFA under 20 World Cup in Indonesia next year, the Paris Summer Olympic Games in 2024. And they win the under-20 championship in CONCACAF. The talent that we have now in the U.S. is getting bigger and better, and it's growing. Growing strong. Why? Because of MLS. Because if these kids don't get the opportunity to play in MLS, they're not going to get an opportunity, period. And once again, we would only have pay to play. And how many games are they playing in in a season? How many games are they playing in a season? Tell me. You should know this. You should know what's going on. But you don't. This roster of young professional players did the unthinkable, and they went out and did a job, and they brought home silverware. It was, it was tremendous. I, I was so happy to see these kids, and we're probably going to see these kids... On the under-20 World Cup team. We may even see them in the Olympic Games. This is something special, folks. I understand this is three consecutive under-20 championships won by U.S. soccer. By the under-20s. There is one man, I have to say, who also deserves a lot of credit for this, one man that I truly believe deserved tons of credit for this championship for the U.S. Soccer Federation. And who knows? Maybe he is the uh, maybe he's a future candidate for the senior team. But Michael Anthony Varas, part of the FC Dallas coaching staff, what an amazing job he did as the head coach! Rotating players, making sure that they had fresh legs from the opening whistle to the substitutions, and then finishing off the opponents. Not a single player missed a beat. Not a single player missed a beat. They went out, they did a job, and I am extremely happy, extremely happy for this roster and for these kids because they've they grown up so fast, my goodness, so quick. And all you can say is this is probably one of the better under-20 teams that maybe U.S. soccer's ever had. But at the same time, You have to see what needs to happen with the coaching staff when it comes to the kids. Tab Ramos was the head coach for the U.S. men's national team. Two consecutive under-20 championships consistently qualifying for the FIFA under-20 World Cup, getting into the quarterfinals. Beating big-time teams, big-time national teams from Europe and South America. And all you can say is, once Tab Ramos left U.S. soccer, who was going to be the next one? Who was going to be the next head coach that was going to do a job? We had that Olympic qualifying tournament. But unfortunately, Jason Kreiss, he bit it at the end, being eliminated in the semifinal round against Honduras, two goals to one. But at the same time, the U.S. didn't look strong in that Olympic qualifying tournament in the group stage. Worrying about the last game against Mexico, only one goal against Costa Rica, One, one goal most of the time against Dominican Republic, until they finally broke through late in the second half. Some people think Jason Christ deserves another head coaching job. I say past it. I think he's done as a head coach. Better for him to be an assistant than a head coach. But if someone's going to give him an opportunity, so be it. But I just don't think – I don't think he has the mojo anymore. I think he is – I really think he just doesn't have it anymore. And I really think he should just stay as an assistant coach down in Miami at Inter-Miami. But once again, Varus, who managed our under-20s, did a hell of a job. He did a hell of a job, and I am so proud of how he got these kids to play. Just a hell of a job. And now, the future is bright. For our men's national team. And now you can really say this. Has the U.S. surpassed Mexico in the talent department? Mexico got eliminated by Guatemala in the quarterfinals. During the penalty kick shootout. Has the FMF severely losing control of their dominance in this region, especially in the youth department. Are they selecting, um, you know, Mexican-Americans all the time? Maybe. Maybe that's their issue. But all you can say is, They are keeping their own players. All these clubs, Liga Emekis, keeping the young players because they get paid very well. But now is that a detriment that none of these players from Mexico are making the jump to Europe? Are they comfortable in their own fishbowl? It looks like they are. It looks like... The Mexican players are comfortable in their own fishbowl, and they're not doing the job internationally. And now, the tide is turning. We'll see what happens down the road and further down the road, but still, though. The big questions will be coming if Mexico does not advance out of the second round. Or even worse, maybe they get eliminated in the group stage down in Qatar. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. Excuse me. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen, but I'm telling you right now, Mexico is starting to be uh, getting into a little bit of trouble here. And I believe that it's going to be a while before they get back into the groove. So, now, moving on to the Open Cup. And, my God, what a big match this was. All four games were exciting, except, well, I would say three of the four games were exciting. Sporting Kansas City, basically, taking Union Omaha of the League One to the woodshed and taking them out, destroying them six goals to nil. Daniel Chaloy with a brace. Philippe Hernandez with a brace. Corton, Thomas Ford, and Kyrie Shelton get a tally for themselves. I want to say to Jay Mims and uh, the club of Union Omaha in Nebraska, gentlemen, you gave us a great run. Thank you for everything you've done in the Open Cup. Obviously, there's still more work to do during the USL League One season, but it would have been great to see this club in the semifinals. But I'll say this right now. Great job of getting your supporters to go along for the ride. And if you are a Omaha supporter a Union Omaha supporter, taking that trip, the drive to Kansas City, Kansas, to Children's Mercy Park to support your boys, and to see everyone filling up that away supporters corner, that was brilliant. That was fantastic. You deserve a lot of kudos and a handshake and a round of applause. What they did for you was unbelievable. What you did for them, supporters, was unbelievable. All you can say is good luck next year. Good luck next year in the Open Cup, and let's see if you can repeat that performance starting in 2023. We'll see what happens. But right now, right now, Union Omaha, great job. Tough loss in the quarters, but we'll see what happens. The New York Red Bulls in the Open Cup, a 3-0 victory over New York City FC at Red Bull Arena once again. All the goals coming in the second half, Lewis Morgan. Converts that opening chance in the 52nd minute. Then Luquinhas on a rebound try. Buries it in the 70th. Omer Fernandez in second half stoppage time. Made it 3-0. But look at what we see here from Orlando City and Nashville SC. All goals came in the second half. Hany Mukhtar. Great job from him to be in great position. To redirect the ball inside the far post where the goalkeeper could not get it, and it was 1-0. And then it took all the way to second-half stoppage time as Rodrigo Schlegel somehow magically finds a way to score the equalizer and forces this match into extra time. And then, of course, Sean Davis getting a yellow card in the 87th minute gets his second yellow straight, and then a red in the 91st. Nashville, SC down to 10 men. And then the penalty kick shootout. And then you had Alex Mouille missing. Erkan Kara converting. And then the conversions came with Ike, with, I believe it's Ike, it's a.k.e., or maybe Axe Loba, Robin Jansen. Jack Mayer. But unfortunately, Andreas Perra misses the net. So it's 2-2 two, two through three rounds. Walker Zimmerman and Kyle Smith 3-3 three, three through four. Ethan Zubak Alexander Pato through five. Dave Romney and Antonio Carlos through six. And then Facundo Torres converts his penalty to make it six and seven rounds. And Eric Miller missed the net. And the Nashville SC gets eliminated in the quarterfinals as Orlando City advanced to the semis. And then the creme de la creme, the De Sacramento Rook of USL Championship Second Division. They pull off the cup set by defeating the Los Angeles Galaxy by two goals to one. Rodrigo Lopez in the fourth minute. Unfortunately for Sacramento, they put the ball in the back of the, in the back of their own net in the eighteenth by Connor Donovan to give the galaxy an own goal. And then in the 70th minute, a ball that should have been handled easily by Jurgen Klinsmann's son was missed. And it was Luis Felipe Fernandez who buried that chance in the 70th minute. And the fans from the capital of the state of California in Sacramento made the long trip to Los Angeles... And Carson at Sacramento Republic are going to the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. And after the draw for not only the semifinals and for the hosting rights, here we go. It will be late Wednesday on the 27th of July. We have Orlando City. Hosting the New York Red Bulls at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. And that will be at Explora Stadium as they won the draw to host. And then we have Sacramento Republic, who also won the draw to host Sporting Kansas City at Health Heart at Heart Health Park, excuse me. And that match will start at 10:30 Eastern, 7:30 Pacific. And once again, in the order here is how it will happen. Order Orlando, second Sporting Kansas City, third, New York Rebels dead last, fourth, Sacramento. If Sacramento Republic wins, they will be on the road no matter what. If Orlando wins, they'll be the host no matter what. But depending on what Sporting Kansas City does against Sacramento, depending on if the Red Bulls beat Orlando. Because if Sporting Kansas City beats Sacramento on the road... They'll host. They'll host the New York Red Bulls if they beat Orlando. But if Sacramento wins, and or and the New York Red Bulls win, New, Red Bull Arena will host the final for this 2022 U.S. Open Cup Championship. It's a lot of scenarios. So automatic road team will be Sacramento if they win. Orlando will be the automatic home team if they win. The Red Bulls can only host if Sacramento wins. Sporting Kansas City can only host if Orlando loses. And they win. Big moment. Huge moment. And the final, once again, will be in September. Either the 6th, and the, 6th or the 7th or the 13th and 14th. And once again... The times for these semifinal dates, July 27th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific, Orlando City hosting the New York Red Bulls at Explora Stadium in downtown Orlando, the Purple Palace on Church Street, and then at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, Sacramento Republic hosting Sporting Kansas City at Heart Health Park in Sacramento, California. This is what we've all been waiting for, folks. Now it all depends what the managers will do to set up the rosters for this Open Cup semi-final. Because here is how the Red Bull schedule will go. This upcoming weekend they will be host uh, excuse me they'll be on the road at FC Cincinnati. Then the following weekend they're hosting New York City FC and then the weekend after that they'll be in Austin, Texas on a Sunday evening. Then they got to go midweek to Orlando. And then the following weekend they'll be home in a friendly against Barcelona and then they are going to have to play another league match on a tuesday night in august to play against the colorado rapids at home so that is for the new york red bulls for orlando city and we got to we got to make sure that we get everything documented and see what's going to happen for the rest of the other teams. So let me just get the the, uh, the dates for league games. This is the teams that will be in the Open Cup. So here we go as we take a look at the schedule. Colorado hosting Orlando on July 13th. Saturday, July 16th. We have nothing there. Sunday, July 17th. We have Orlando on the road at Atlanta. Sporting Kansas City on the road at Real Salt Lake on Sunday, July 17th. And then on Wednesday... July 20th, Orlando will be having a friendly against Arsenal at Explore Stadium. Saturday, July 23rd, Orlando hosts Philadelphia. Sporting Kansas City hosts LAFC on the 23rd. And on the 24th, the New York Red Bulls will be on the road at Austin. So once again, Orlando will be getting an extra day of rest before their midweek game against the New York Red Bulls. We'll see what Oscar Pareja will do. How he will set up his team. Will he put out a solid roster for the Open Cup? Or will he get a subpar roster for that game? We'll see what happens. But the last time the New York Red Bulls were at Orlando at Explorer Stadium, the Red Bulls single-handedly defeated Orlando City 3-0. Sacramento, Republic, got to say, they're on cloud nine. They know what they're up up against. They know what they got to do. It is just a fantastic moment to see a second division club like Sacramento Republic reaching the semifinals and if they do reach the final the championship final Sacramento that will be the very first time since the Charleston Battery in 2008 played in the final against DC United sadly losing Two goals to one. Sadly, losing two goals to one, the Charleston Battery. And I still maintain the offsides that knocked off the 2-2 goal was incorrect by the linesman. No VAR back in 2008. But in my book... I thought that was the wrong call. So here is the next three matches for Sacramento Republic. Saturday, July 9th, they're home to Oakland Roots. Saturday, July 16th, home to Birmingham Legion. Saturday, July 23rd, on the road at Phoenix Rising, and then they come home to host Sporting Kansas City. Now, I don't know the time. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say the time difference, but the uh, how long the plane ride is to go back from Phoenix to Sacramento. But I'm assuming it's not that far. Maybe a couple, of, maybe two or three hours. I could be wrong. I'm not sure myself about the time, but definitely Sacramento will be able to get back without any issues whatsoever. So. They'll be ready and they'll be set to go for their Open Cup semifinal match against Sporting Kansas City. And the one question with Sporting Kansas City is this. Even though they're in dead last this season and tons of injuries to their roster, the question is this. Are they going to be the next team to have a horrible league season, but can they win the U.S. Open Cup? During a horrible league season. We're going to have to wait and see what will happen. But honestly, this is a huge moment if Sporting Kansas City can win a title while having the worst league season they've had at all. Ever since Peter Vermees took over the club. As head coach and sporting director, this is one of the worst seasons he's had, and we all know for a fact for a fact that he's going to he's going to write the ship, whether they like it or not, because it's going to happen, maybe not this season, but definitely next season. we'll have to wait and see what will happen. But right now, right now, the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup, you can watch it on ESPN Plus through your streaming devices. 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 4.30 p.m. Pacific, Orlando hosting the New York Red Bulls. Sacramento Republic hosting Sporting Kansas City, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, over at Heart Health Stadium in Sacramento, California. Uh, There's nothing more you can say, nothing more you can do. This is going to be two big heavyweight matchups. And then we get to the final, and we'll see what happens then in September. It's huge. It's big. We'll have to wait and see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go straight over to the New York Red Bull segment and uh, two big games for the New York Red Bulls victories at home and on the road first the big home victory against Atlanta United and once again Atlanta United has not earned a regulation win against the New York Red Bulls in the regular season i would say at least 2 to 3 2 to 3 draws at Red Bull Arena but never a win at Red Bull Arena In the regular season, and no wins against the Red Bulls at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Horrible opening half. Passes were connecting, but not enough oomph in the tank to do anything dangerous. And what did they do? Well, they did get better. They made those substitutions, they improved. But it was Josef Martinez that poked home the opening goal against an Atlanta United side that was also depleted due to injuries as well. And then a big moment happened as Lukinas, who was the substitute in this one because of the COVID protocols he had to go through in Los Angeles that he couldn't play at LAFC, He's attacking the net, gets tackled from behind, brought down inside the Atlanta area. Penalty. Morgan Lewis takes the ball and drills it right down the middle. 1-1. And in the final minute of regulation, or close to the final minute of regulation, the 89th minute, Serge Nagoma, North Plainfield, New Jersey native. He scores. His first MLS goal, and it was a beauty, absolute beauty, to see him watching the play develop in front of him, stole the ball off the foot of the defender, attacked the net, and when the keeper was tracking back and tried to set himself up into a position, Serge Nagoma goes short side inside the near post, scores the match winner, He is the third player in Red Bulls MetroStars history as a 16-year-old to score his first professional goal in MLS. First MLS goal. Eddie Gavin did it, Josie Altidore did it, and now Serge Nagoma does it. I don't know how many 16-year-olds were able to score their first goals in the top league, but I'll tell you right now, The Red Bulls have three. And that has been a great number and a great record. Juan Agudelo, as a 17-year-old, scored his first goal in Major League Soccer. The teenagers are doing it. They're finding ways to do it. And it was absolutely spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. And... Then you go to Sporting Kansas City, two days, two, three days, and you've got to take them on. And that's a grind against a team like that. That's a grind. They are so well trained. You've got to find ways to really beat them at their own game. And it came at a set piece. John Tolkien went short on the corner in the 53rd minute, found Lewis Morgan, who crossed it into the area, and there's Aaron Long onside, running, leaping, header, beats Tamilia, who did not move to the near post. And it's 1-0 for the Red Bulls, and that's how they ended it. Sean Nealis unfortunately gets a red card, and I still contend it's probably... Because originally got a yellow, and through VAR, they t- turned it into a red because they said it was a deliberate handball inside the area, or not inside the area, excuse me, a deliberate handball outside the area, and Sporting Kansas City gets a free kick. Um, I felt that he turned around and he was trying to set himself up to play some defense on the attacker, but unfortunately the ball was there and his hand just came out and he just touched the ball. I don't think he intentionally was trying to handle the ball. I don't think he was intentionally trying to say, uh, yeah, I'm going to stop this cross. I just think he was trying to set himself. But, unfortunately, Sean Nealis will be suspended for the road game at FC Cincinnati, and we'll see what happens in that one. So, probably Dylan Nealis, depending on what happens with Tom Edwards, if he'll be fit and ready to go uh, for the road game at Cincinnati. We'll see what happens moving forward uh, on that when we talk to Gerhard Struber for a press conference on Thursday. But other than that, the New York Red Bulls, first place in the Eastern Conference, a two-point lead over Philadelphia Union, who have 30. This Red Bulls team is looking strong. This Red Bulls team is looking confident. And, I, I mean, I have to say, the, the players that are going out there and doing a job, they're doing a wonderful thing. They're doing having a very good season, and who knows, maybe they will win a championship this year. Four points behind LAFC for the Supporters' Shield. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen, that department. But let me say this right now. If the New York Red Bulls do go to the Open Cup Final and win it for the first time in three tries, they will go back to the CONCACAF Champions League. So there is still time for the Red Bulls to go out and do damage And win a championship. We'll have to wait and see. But this has been a fantastic thing to watch. And I'm very happy to see them doing a job. This Red Bulls team has been not just a bit of a surprise. But I think they're going through the motions to put themselves in a position to get some silverware. But once again, we're going to have to wait and see about certain results and certain performances. I know everyone's not happy with Patrick Klamala and Tom Barlow. I think more Klamala than Barlow because Barlow is what he is. Klamala is the one we were sold on to be a prolific goal scorer for the future. And so far, he hasn't shown that in his two seasons here. I think he needs more time, but how much time does he really need? And hopefully, they'll get a better striker in the summer transfer window. We'll have to wait and see who that is. Unfortunately, Ashley Fletcher just did not pan out. It just didn't. I, to me, it just sounds. It looked like he checked out. Injuries, of course, but he checked out. Back in England now. The loan deal is over. He's back in England with Watford. So at least he's going to try and do something back over there. Other than that, that's all you can really say. The New York Red Bulls looking strong, looking good. The U.S. under-20s did a hell of a job. And the Open Cup, as always, spectacular. This Friday night, NPSL Soccer Show, episode number three in the 2022 season, I will have co-owner Alex Yee of Annapolis, as they will be starting next season in the National Premier Soccer League, and my other guests as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. But thank you for listening to me tonight. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. As always, please... Enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care. So long and bye-bye for now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. (laughs)